Hello everyone, welcome to episode 616 of Cold Wave Soundcheck. I'm Aaron Pollock. We are now officially less than one month away from the Cold Wave 6 Festival in Chicago September 29th, 30th, and October 1st. This year's featured acts include Stabbing Westward, Cold Cave, Front 242, Severed Heads, KMFDM, Ogre, and more. For the full lineup and ticket links, head to coldwaves.net. This week we're chatting with Friday Metro performer Deb Demure. This is Drab Majesty.
projects and I was kind of feeling um, creatively uh, unfulfilled I guess in some aspects and limited by the drums in that they're not a harmonic instrument melodic instrument and um, I was kind of like really inspired by the guitar players and the bands I was playing with namely Marriages um, Emma Ruth Rundle was uh, someone who was really like just kind of impressed by her guitar playing and her finger style playing and uh i kind of just picked up a guitar and wanted to do my own project and kind of was very influenced by her method of of picking and tones and stuff and i kind of started as kind of emulation and then it branched out into these songs and i found these tones and the tones found this greater aesthetic sonic palette and then these songs began to emerge um, pretty divinely, pretty easily. And then, uh, yeah, just began amassing songs and at one point I realized this could possibly be a viable endeavor. And uh, yeah, I just kind of just called it Drive Majesty. It was pretty fluid. Nothing really too contrived about it all the all its imagery kind of informed itself over the span of time um informed the next uh idea or iteration of video or what have you and um slowly i've kind of segued to guitar as a full-time instrument and uh i don't play drums live in any any bands anymore i do all my own drum programming i'm pretty stickler for rhythms and stuff but um, but yeah, now guitar is my full-time project, as is Drab. Your newest album, The Demonstration, it, it's received pretty much universal acclaim all around. Tell me about working on that album. The album, I mean, was kind of demoed over about a year when I was waiting for Deus to put out the first Drab Majesty record. I had signed with them, but kind of got put on hold for a year as to when the 
the actual record would come out. So from 2014 or 15 to 16, I started just compiling songs and lyrics and uh, just having these kind of very stream of consciousness sessions in which the tunes just kind of write themselves. Josh Eustace, uh, AKA Telephone Televis, was really keen on doing the record. He's kind of been the in-house Deus recording engineer since uh, the Zamorash 2 record and a Youth Code record EP. And I always wanted to work with Josh. He's he's fantastic. And um, yeah, we took to the studio in February 2015. Right now, my timeline's all messed up. 2000 last year. So so yeah, I got in the studio last year. Um, last February, Josh and I kind of worked on it for about six months, chipping away. He lives close by to me, so we were able to work on it all the time. Just congealed really easily, very naturally. Nothing about Drab Majesty is, as ever should be forced, or in music in general. But if it is, it needs to stop. And you pick it up. And it's clear that it's, uh, you know, it's ready for you to address it again. But yeah, it was a six-month thing, and he he mixed it as well. And I've been touring on it since, uh, I guess, January of this year. You mentioned Josh, and, and he's with the Black Queen. And you guys are also yeah. going to play with Cold Cave at Cold Waves and uh, Replicant on Friday night. And, you know, Cold Waves had high-functioning flesh the year before. It, it seems like this style of music, whether people call it synth-pop or something else, is really just taking over the scene. What, what do you think about it, about this style of music that's really resonating with people right now? Um, I think it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that people are kind of gravitating towards it. I've, I find that it's some of the most accessible music. It's not, it's not challenging, um, in a way that, you know, you have to kind of, you have to kind of like break your ideas about music and song structure and, and sonic, um, textures and all that. It's really just like this music is made to, to be felt, you know, and it's, it's, supposed to come straight through and into you and i think high functioning flesh does a great job of making this kind of body music that you know just is undeniably danceable and um you know memorable um uh, cold cave as well Wes is a fantastic pop songwriter and um i think these these colors and these sound palettes and that, like have aged really well and um, I would argue have not even nearly been exhausted yet to the point that we can still pick up these, these threads and, uh, and do something with them now, do something and reinvent them and remodel them in a way that pays homage to the, you know, our forefathers, but also um, kind of pushes us into a new, new generation, but keeping on this consistent thread. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think those are, those bands are good examples yeah, and I, I hope to be part of that discussion as well.
So you mentioned Wes. When I talked to him a couple of weeks ago, he uh, he spent a lot of time talking about how, how wonderful it was uh, with all the touring that you guys have done together to be able to, to see you perform every night. So I thought I'd give you a, a chance to return the favor and talk about spending all that time on the road with Cold Cave. Certainly, yeah. Well, I can definitely echo that um, in, his, in his favor. He's, uh, he's quite the charismatic front man. Um, it's really, it's amazing to watch him exert so much energy and give such a raw performance every single night despite you know how long drives we had to do and they they were really impressive the first run run in, in the u.s they were just driving themselves in, in their little jeep and it was like they would just drive through the night and like get no sleep and like we're kind of dilly dalliers and we had a driver and our hands on deck and they had their their kid and they were driving themselves, and they were still coming and delivering like an incredible performance. So that that was really inspiring to watch, and 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 Europe as well, like just consistency and and real, a lot of humility too. Like Wes has an extremely adoring kind of group of people that come to his shows, and you know he he's just he's very humble about what he does, and and also very soft spoken. I have a lot of respect for him a lot. So. And he did a great remix for me too. I was pretty, really honored to have to have that in the, the repertoire. And it was cool. We actually played it out for the first time and only time on the last show of our Europe tour that we did, like of the Cold Cave portion, which was in Milan and it was on my birthday. So it was really special. Cool kind of way to cap off this like run of 40 or 50 shows we did together over the span of like four months. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And Amy and Max are both awesome as well. They're excellent accompanists and just an overall great band, great aesthetic too, like very timeless. Tell me about Mona D's role within the group. Well, Mona came on, um, in, uh, last year, uh, in March, um, to be a keyboardist. She was basically has made, this project a permanent two-piece now. And uh, Mona was a friend of mine before um, he joined Jab Majesty. He actually booked a couple shows for me here in L.A., um, just kind of more as a fan. And we weren't really friends yet. He booked, he booked me a show with Geneva Jacuzzi. It was really fun. And that was in 2014. And from that show, we started talking about influences and just music and life and philosophy and stuff like that and uh quickly determined that we both shared a very similar kind of view of 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 art and art making and um he's a dj here in los angeles um, at a radio station called kxlu and he has been for many many years he's got an exquisite music taste and encyclopedic repertoire of songs and really understands um music history and all the stuff I'm into. So he would just seem like a, a very viable candidate for, uh, for expanding the band. And he's actually first and foremost, a guitarist in a, in a quite confident one. Um, but at this juncture, I wasn't looking for another guitarist as much as I was looking for a keyboardist. And he quickly like learned the parts that I had composed for songs and then wrote his own really genius parts. And then, it just kind of congealed really well. And he and I travel really well together. And, um, yeah. And he is 
added some vocals on the heiress of the, on the first record and also added uh, vocals on too soon to tell on a new record. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's had, he's had a couple of spots on, on the, on the recordings, but right now for the live show, he is the, the new addition. Do you feel like he sort of completes the, the vision you had or, or do you think it might change up in the future and expand further? You know, I, I sometimes get glimpses of the of the three piece of what it looks like when it when it will happen, but I don't know when it will happen. It will down the line. I think I will expand into another um, to have another member. As far as adding like live drums, people have mentioned that in the past. I've didn't really have any interest in doing that. I don't know. I, it's the live live drums is a very specific kind of sound and. It's still kind of one-dimensional. Maybe I'm still kind of anti-drums since I quit playing drums and picked up the guitar. But maybe another, maybe another guitarist, perhaps maybe another keyboardist or bassist, something like that. But nothing, nothing really like is is jumping out at me to expand to a three-piece. I like the symmetry of two right now, and uh, yeah, I think it works just fine live. So besides all the all the touring you've done, you just finished up a, a a big leg across Europe. What else is coming up for you in the next couple of months? Are you going you're going back on the road again? You're going to take some time and work on new material. Yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna go back on the road on on September first for six weeks uh, across the U.S. and a couple shows in Canada. We're going to Canada this coming weekend, uh, not this one, but next weekend. Um, Calgary playing this festival and then um, I mean after that US tour I think that will be time off to start kind of seeing what the new record has in store what could possibly lie there um, I've, I've already kind of been given a couple songs for the new record uh, that I don't know if we'll go on it but I've, I've I have them demo and I've, I've captured them and they they sound cool but I, it's gonna it's gonna take kind of a block of time where I can fully detach without having like the any tour looming over me to like really kind of let let the ideas come through and uh, and not feel kind of mitigated by responsibility, just kind of go off the grid. So I find I write best when I can just get away from it and be in like a full place of reception, and, like connect with connect with uh, those ideas. Yeah.
On this episode, you heard Induction, Dot in the Sky, 39 by Design, and Not Just a Name. Drab Majesty can be found at facebook.com slash drabmajesty. Our opening music is Monster Zero by Acumen Nation. Our closing music is Messiah by Splinter Group. Subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app with the links found in the show notes. Join us next week as we chat with Curse Mackey. Our closing segment each week is dedicated to the inspiration for Cold Waves, fallen Chicago musician, and sound man Jamie Duffy. Here's Jamie's Acumenation bandmate Brian Elza sharing a memory. Jamie was a giant influence on me, like, in Acumen too, but like really like, his stage persona was like the coolest fucking thing ever. Like, giant boots, he had an Ibanez Iceman, and I was like, oh that's that lame Kiss guitar, but that's fucking awesome! for some reason, with a guy in a bandana doing it. So I ended up buying one when I was a kid. I like sold two shitty Ibanez guitars, uh, and I got an Iceman, and it never stayed in tune, especially because I tuned it down to B for my band Sans Everything, but like, that's just an example of like, that dude had like a crazy influence on me from like, just a like, how you should rock standpoint.